Hello and welcome to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James. Hello and welcome back to another Subclass Act episode, y'all. Uh, I recognize that the theme music at the beginning is different. Let me know if you like it. It's uh, it's something I actually made up, uh, whipped up real quick to sound like a, a 90s video game for my home game of 5e that I'm a GM for. And uh, I thought, hey, maybe I'll use it for the podcast. That might be fun. Um, since I own all the IP and everything, such as it is. So <laughs> anyways, we're going to get into an, another episode. I've been excited and looking forward to this one. I have an email to answer and also um, a message from Jason on Anchor. As always, you can email or call into the show. You can call in through Anchor or leave a um, an audio clip at the email uh, that I leave in the show notes. Um, and if you don't want it to be read on the air, you can just let me know. But otherwise, I'd like to address them on the air. So we're going to start with that and we're going to get back into the story uh, uh, with Thorin uh, to see what's happened after last episode, which I'll recap later. Uh, still using Genesis for this uh, for this episode. We'll probably use a, uh, something different for the next episode. Uh, so we'll address that later, and we'll see what you think. But first, let's get to the emails and the Collins. First, I'd like to get to the email. I've got an email here, um, and um, from Will, and Will writes in uh, and says, "Hi, Mr. Shrawl, you're doing great." Uh, though I'm glad I'm not one of your PCs. <laughs> yeah, everybody should be glad they're not one of the PCs. Uh, they do not get treated very well on this show, <laughs> but hopefully you as listeners get treated much better. Uh, I enjoyed hearing an actual play episode with Genesis. It makes me more interested in the system, and I'm really looking forward to next week when we get to see more of the narrative side of the game. Social maneuvering and NPC interaction is a weak spot in my solo game, so I'm always interested in tools that address that part of the hobby with appreciation and will. Yeah, so thanks so much, Will, for uh, for sending in an email. I'm glad you enjoyed Genesis. I do too. Um, I think that the narrative side it's really going to shine here. Um, combat is, um, you know, it's combat, and, and a lot of games have combat, and even though this game is pretty different the way that it works, I think it'll really shine on the narrative side, which um, some games do address, but uh, you know, a lot of them I probably don't address it as well as maybe that they should. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I also think that the the dice i'm just using them as the oracle here and i think that they're really good for that honestly i think they work really well as oracle dice um so you could really do a lot i think with just genesis in here there's enough subsystems in here um to use for the social side and there's a lot of skills related to the social side as well um and it's it honestly seems as fleshed out as combat uh the, you know the game talks about like hey yeah it's it's you know common to have um, the, you know, the combat be able to be a little bit more fleshed out than the rest of the game, but narrative is there too. But to be honest, I think that the narrative side is just as fleshed out. There's a ton of skills, um, that are social. I mean, even though the social skills list is smaller, um, you know, than the combat skills a little bit, it's really only because of the, you know, some games have light versus heavy, um, weapons skills, but otherwise, I mean, it's really the same size as the combat skills. There's knowledge skills. So there's just a general one on here, but in edge of the empire, for instance, there's different knowledge skills for, uh, different domains, which, you know, you could, you could always do on here. So that could be like, you know, knowledge underworld for trying to find like, um, you know, thievery contacts and stuff like that. Or it could be like knowledge, xenobiology, um, you know, different kinds of knowledge that people would study. So knowledge skills can be fleshed out, which I think is cool. 
You can always make custom skills, um, but you have a lot of them in the general skills that can be used socially. Um, cool is one that's kind of interesting, you know, for keeping your cool, things like that. There's, um, on the general ones here, there is uh, Skullduggery, which could be, you know, thieving kind of skills, but it could be, you know, it could be slinking around, but it could be anything that's kind of, kind of like that. More more than that, really, there's uh, Streetwise, which is like getting contacts with things like that. Um, there is, um, you can make a case where Vigilance maybe can, can play into that in social scenarios. Um, there's a Discipline skill, uh, which would be great for kind of social combat kind of stuff. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff. There's also traits, and then you can also which are like feats. And then you can also uh, if there isn't enough on the trait side for you for the social skills, you can always add that. And for solo, I think that that's a huge boon. And we'll see. I guess we'll see how it works out. Um, so yeah, thanks again for the email, Will. We're gonna move now into the call from Jason. Hey James, Jason here. Wow, this um game turned a little bit dark didn't it going destroying the villages and then the character almost dying and the desert rose sucking life out of or early sucking the moisture out of creatures and pretty interesting yeah genesis sounds um complicated <laughs> and, and a little bit fiddly that's not necessarily a bad thing but it definitely sounds like a game where you need need is the wrong word it would really benefit everybody from having system mastery so it's the kind of game you play for a few sessions everybody gets used to it and then you keep playing, it's probably, Genesis would probably benefit from it being the main game that people play, right? Where, where they, so they get really used to that system. But yeah, definitely a lot of interesting options, um, which is not necessarily, which is not a bad thing at all. It's just being familiar enough to utilize it to, to your best advantage. But yeah, enjoying it. Looking forward to the next one. Take care. Hey, Jason, thanks for calling in. Yeah, I think part of it, uh, I'll, I'll say right off the bat for everybody, um, I I don't have System Mastery of Genesis yet. Um, the first game I ever ran was Star, uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire, but uh, man, I was really green back then. I had no idea what I was doing, and I did not do a very good job. Um, and I haven't really gotten to play it since. So I'm also learning it too, and I have a feeling that a lot of that comes over the air. Um, to your point as well, there are a lot of parts. And so it could definitely, it definitely could be fiddly. Um, I think a lot of it, I, I don't know that there's necessarily more in here than there is in, that there really was in savage worlds or, um, you know, than there really is in like, um, really even maybe five E, uh, it's just that, um, I think the big thing is that, uh, it's very different. Um, you know, whereas Savage Worlds is Savage Worlds is different. Um, you know, which you got the you've got the wild die and like the way you do health and stuff is different. But in general, you're still rolling d20s and you know seeing how it shakes out, and you've still got similar target numbers. Whereas this, with the different dice, is just it really is different. Um, so I think that that's a big thing, and I think it also probably I'm going to be honest. I think it's probably less um, radio friendly uh, to try to like say what the results are over the air. Um, it's, it's harder to hear the difference between like, you know, this many advantages and successes and whatever, when you see the symbols. Um, so I think it works better when you can see it, uh, to be honest with you. I know that there are programs that pull it off. Like I said, uh, the campaign podcast, um, is all Genesis. It's Star Wars Edge of the Empire and then a custom setting. Um, I think the setting for sis, uh, season two is based off of, it's got like floating skyships and stuff and it's based off of the Decemberists music. Um, which is wild. I guess it just shows, you know, how, you know, how flexible it is. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that one of the things that's very different is it, it, because it doesn't have the numbers. So that doesn't, um, come off as familiar. The multiple axes comes off as, uh, you know, unfamiliar, but really it's just that, um, yeah, it just doesn't have anything that's similar, like really nothing is similar. The traits are the closest thing. Um, and, you know, being like feats, but even then, you know, the way that the, the characteristics work or, or the attributes um, and the skills and uh, ranks uh, work is just totally different with the dice pool. So it's really, um, there's just nothing familiar. I think to your point, Jason, once you um, play it and you have a little bit of mastery, um, there's a slight curve, then I, I think it's it's good. I don't know that it has to be your main game necessarily. I think you just have to... Um, I'll, I'll say that when you read it, it doesn't make, make as much sense as when you just play it, I think. Um, but I think that... Uh, yeah, I think there's just nothing to to latch on to. So um, it's kind of, it feels kind of like starting over, like when you first started your role-playing games in that way, just because it is so foreign. It's kind of like... Um, uh, we're just trying to run into my first uh, fate one shot that I did. It was also at the last minute. Um, somebody didn't show up. And so I wasn't really prepared for that one either. Just because, you know, fate is so different, but even with fate, even though you have the plus and minus dice, you still have a target number that is um, more similar. Uh, so, uh, you know, any of that other dice pool games, like you have um, the, maybe the mutant year zero engine, um, you know, you're rolling a dice pool, but you know, you need sixes. Those are successes. Or, um, I think the tiny D six games, you, you know, you roll a certain number of dice and you're looking for a five or a six, or I think the age system again, three, three dice, but, um, you know, three dice and you're looking for a total of some sort. Uh, so I think it's just, it's just totally different. Um, but that being said, I, I personally, I personally really like it. Um, I think that also I'm putting more of the subsystems in here than I might have with a uh, savage world. So I think that's part of it too. Uh, and maybe I'm just justifying myself. I also, I don't think it's a system for everyone, to be honest. Um, I think that it's probably a pretty polarizing system. I think you either like it or you don't, and that's fine. Um, not everybody has to like it. I think it's kind of like, um, I've never played GURPS, but I've heard similar things about GURPS in that way that like you either love it or you, you know, it's not for you and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, one of the things I like is that I think it strikes a balance between um, the narrative games and the, you know, dice games. But then, you know, I always have the narrative bit personally. So like, um, you know, that's something I like about, uh, you know, all of the advice in index card RPG and Savage Worlds is the same way. I mean, heck, when you listen to, um, I've been listening to the Glass Cannon podcast where they, uh, at the beginning when they play Pathfinder 1E and just the way that they read the dice back into the situation, you know, adds that narrative element. So it's it's by no means necessary that you have a system like that. Um, and I think that, you know, the, having the special dice and symbols can be, uh, can be a, a deal breaker for some, I think this is why, uh, one of the designers who designed it for, uh, fantasy flight games, I believe if I'm correct, is, is one of the same people who designed the, uh, 2d 20 system. So, um, I play once a week in a game right now of, uh, Star Trek adventures and that uses 2d 20. Um, it's got similar ish elements, um, to, uh, to Genesis and it's, it's trying to achieve similar things. I think it, it's not quite as narrative based, but it is, does have use familiar dice and, and numbers that are more concrete. Um, so I, you know, I think that that it does have that going for it. Um, I know that the 2d 20 is another one that I think is, is polarizing. Um, but yeah, so there, there it is. So, um, yeah, it, it is, it is a bit fiddly, uh, can be good or bad. Uh, you know, part of it again, it's just that I, I don't have the mastery on it right now. Uh, it's very unfamiliar from other games and I'm probably putting too many of the subsystems in <laughs> right off the bat. 
Uh, but I think you can strip it down. Actually, there's a, I'll, I'll recommend, um, since I like to get sidetracked on things, I'll recommend a, a video. Um, I, I'll recommend anything Runehammer. Um, I'm a big fan of Rune, Runehammer. I have um, Index Card RPG uh, 2, and um, which means now I have also the uh, Master Edition Upgrade PDF, uh, which seems really cool. Uh, big fan of all of his stuff. Uh, I've watched a bunch of his YouTube videos, his recaps of his OSE sessions. But in this case, I'll specifically recommend that he looks at, um, this is from a couple years ago now, uh, he looks at Genesis and at uh, Cypher System, or at least Numenera, um, to like look at their dice pools and, and what you can borrow from those in a DIY context. He talks about how to make his own dice um, for the, the narrative kind of bit. And I think that he's got... Um, it, it, it's certainly something that you can use, I think, to um, to get a similar kind of effect, um, really using two different colors of dice. Or, you know, there's different ways of handling it, but um, but there you go. Um, that is another uh, system that I am thinking about looking at. Um, I happen to have the PDFs of Numenera. I don't own the generic cipher system itself, um, but I could try to just use... I probably could just try to honestly use... Uh, Numenera and like rip the pieces from it or um, like reskin it as I go so that I don't have to buy, um, you know, buy something new. But it's another uh, system that I'm kind of interested in. It kind of sits in that seat of like, um, how do you streamline, um, you know, how do you streamline a D20 based game, leave in some narrative uh, aspects to it, but also have some of the some of the bits to grab onto that people liked about D&D 3 because I think uh, Monty Cook was a 3.5 designer. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I'm also looking at, uh, like from before doing Pathfinder 2E, um, and, uh, Fate Core and, and some others, um, some other potential ones here. I got one in from you, uh, Jason, then I'll tell everybody on the air as well. Um, Jason was kind enough to donate money via, um, purchasing something from my itch.io shop, which I'm not saying that to say that everybody should go out and do that. Um, uh, you know, only, only if, if there's something on there you want. But he did that to donate a, a PDF, um, inexpensive PDF. It was too much. I don't want to. I don't want to take too much from people on the show because it's a free show. Um, but I'm I'm reading through it now. Um, it's uh, on Mighty Thu's, uh, which I hope I'm saying right. Um, but it's a small. It's a lightweight system, and it's probably excellent for somebody's first RPG, especially if they want to do sword and sorcery. Um, so I'm still reading through it uh, and and kind of learning that. Um, I think that when we were talking about on the audited engine discord, uh, Jason, I think it probably is a little light for the show, uh, even compared to some of the ones I've done before. However, I do think, um, especially since, um, since you donated that I will use it on the show. And what I'll probably do, um, is there will probably be like, um, an aside that comes up. I actually probably should have prepared it for this episode, but, um, maybe there'll be some sort of an aside or somebody telling a story or a legend. And I will do a, like a story within the story, probably using that system. And, and that should be good for a quick, lightweight, somebody in the story telling a story um, kind of game. So it's very Hamlet, I guess, the play within a play. But um, anyways, I'm rambling on again. Thank you for calling in. Uh, thank you for uh, for donating that game. I think it's very cool and rad. Uh, I just need to learn it a little bit more. Um, let's get back into Genesis. there in this room that he's never seen before. 
not sure exactly where he is. He sees flashes of visions of... Maybe they're things that have happened. Or things that are going to happen. Maybe they're things that will never happen, but the way we wish they would. Maybe it's all of the above. It's hard for him to know. They come and go so quickly. Like water rushing through his fingers. Every time he tries to reach out to grab onto one, it goes through his fingers, leaving only the slightest residue. Just enough to know that it was there in the first place. But not enough to know what it was. You there. Are you yet awake? Hmm. Perhaps there's more work to be done. I think there's somebody else in the room that was dragging him off, and we're gonna make a uh, check to see uh, how well this person is able to uh, do any sort of a healing. I think that this is gonna be, normally this would be some sort of a medicine check. Um, I'm not 100% certain that that's what's happening right now. Um, and I don't want to roll for it because I just, I think I just want this to be, um, uh, a, a magic skill. There's three magic skills here in Genesis, uh, at least in the default. There's Arcana, which is, uh, intelligence-based, Divine, which is will-based, and Primal. Um, I think Primal's the way that most of the magic, uh, is working here. Um, I suppose this could be Divine, uh, or, or Arcana. Um, in this case, though, actually, because I... Because I'm thinking a little bit about the character, and especially picking out the music, I think I'm going to let um, influence what's happening a little bit. Um, what's happening in the background. I think we're going to go with Arcana, actually. Um, I don't know this person's skill at Arcana. Uh, I'm going to say it's probably decent. I'm just going to say, for the moment, of not having statted whoever this is up at all, um, that they have a skill of one in Arcana. Um, and I'm going to say that they probably have four willpower. So I'm going to roll four total dice. Um, and there's only an average difficulty here. So we're gonna roll. I'm also going to, I think, um, give myself uh, the. I need to give myself the story points for the beginning. I've decided the, to uh, to bend the story points thing a little bit. Um, instead of giving myself one, since I'm a party of one, I'm gonna give myself two, and I'm gonna give the GM side uh, one to start with. So he's going to make this to see if he's able to uh, heal um, some of the wounds here. That died. didn't roll. Alright, let's see what we've got here. We've got two advantages and two successes. Um, so yes, and. So we're going to uh, be able to heal some damage and also um, even more than be able to start to come to a little bit. So I'm going to bring some of the health off. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just do an arbitrary amount, I think. Uh, I don't want to heal him all the way. I'm going to heal, I think, probably... Uh, I, I could look to see what a normal medicine check would be and do more to it. I'm just going to pick random numbers. I, it's fine. Um, I'm going to do 5 um, plus 2 for the, for the advantages. I'll do 1 for each of the advantages. I might do several rounds of this. We'll see how it goes. Um, so as Thorn is there, uh, now down to 12 wounds out of the 15 threshold, which means he's starting to come around to consciousness, but he's obviously still in really bad shape. <clears throat> he opens his eyes a little bit, and he sees uh, he sees someone there. Um, I think I need to know if this person is, is old or young. Uh, so let's see. Is this person old? Uh, no. Or I mean, uh, no, the person is not old. They're, they're actually uh, not much older than Thorin, um, but maybe looks a little... Uh, 
a little battered. Um, uh, <laughs> it's funny, I, I, had, I had this whole plan of doing this, like, this, this old man kind of thing. I think it was probably because, uh, uh, my, I just showed my, uh, my kids, uh, the oldest ones four. I, I showed them recently the original Star Wars trilogy, um, and <laughs> they love Yoda, of course, um, as they should. So, uh, anyway, so, uh, I had planned on that, but for some reason I, a different image came into my head just before this, so we're gonna go with it. Um, so Thorin looks up and sees, uh, this person there, and, um, he says, uh, Please, lie back. You're not well enough to get up yet. And then I think he presses one thumb on Thorin's forehead. Thorin immediately goes back to sleep. This time a little bit more, uh, a little bit more restful. So we're gonna do a few things. One, we're gonna make another one of these um, medicine checks here, or these Arcana checks. Okay, so that comes down. That comes out to two successes and one advantage. Um, so do another uh, heal, another five plus one. So down to 6 out of 15. Um, I think the other thing is I think that Thorn is dreaming. Uh, and I want to know what he dreams about. Uh, so I could roll on some inspiration tables. We're going to keep going with the yes-no thing here. I'm going to make it a little bit more interesting, though. Um, I specifically want some variants here. So I'm going to uh, swap out instead of my normal oracle, I'm picking two of the regular green dice and two of the regular opposed purple dice. I'm instead going to roll... Um, one of uh, each of those, and then I'm going to replace, I'm going to basically upgrade one on each side, so I'll have one of the yellow um, like upgraded skill dice, and one of the uh, red upgraded threat dice. Those will have triumphs and despairs. Those are the ones that count as a success and an advantage, and they and they always have an extra effect, and I want this, these answers to be really powerful one way or the other. So I think if you want swing, this is a way to do it. Um, let's see, it's, Thorin, well, I need to know if he's having a dream or more or less or a vision. And by that, I mean, is he, is he, is what he's seeing prophetic or is it more inward facing? So is it outward facing or inward facing? So is his dream outward facing? Let's see. We have, uh, really just comes down to one advantage. Um, so yes, but it's not really the quite, um, it's not really the quite the right question. So he's, I, w I was thinking maybe he was seeing like his circumstances or the villagers. I think the, the vision that he's having is, he's seeing it like it's through his, it's his own eyes, but he doesn't really recognize what's happening. And I think what we're actually doing is we're getting a glimpse of this, this person here. Uh, we see somebody who uh, is walking through, uh, well, we're seeing it through, Thorin is seen through uh, first person. So he's walking through, uh, through the city and at first, we see huge towers, uh, huge belfries, and there's uh, marketplaces that are uh, full of merchants and full of colorful fabrics and, and fragrant foods as he walks through. And we kind of get a, a glimpse of a huge water feature of some sort. And then there's kind of a flash, and then there's a next part of a scene here. And we see that... Uh, Thor, like Thorin sees himself uh, getting punched in the face by by someone who's some sort of a child who seems taller than him, 
uh, and uh, see a little bit of blood as he wipes the blood away from his chin. We see a rainy scene. Uh, Thorn feels cold and and a bit alone. Um, but he see he glimpses from a distance. He glimpses uh, warm lighting and uh, smells some food. And he he looks as if well he knows that he's got to go. He doesn't want to steal, but he he's hungry. He goes up to the door, and there's just a meal sitting there. And he helps himself. It's the, probably the first time he's eaten in, in a couple days. And he notices that there, um, there's a note. He figures he, it's bad enough stealing the food. He probably shouldn't do that, but, but he knows he has to. But he probably shouldn't read this note. But he can't help it. The curiosity is just too much for him. He picks up the note and reads it. And it says, um, Fret not. This meal was meant for you. But feed not only your soul, feed your mind also. And we see that there's a, a tome. Not a dusty tome, though. It's huge. But uh, Although Thorin swears he didn't see it a second ago. Either way, he picks it up, though, and just starts reading. Uh, just every page. There's, it just does, it doesn't make much sense, but for some for some reason, this is as satisfying and filling as the food itself. Actually, after a while, he forgets about the food, leaving some of it untouched, at least for now. Ravenous as he reads through this book. It doesn't seem to have any sort of supernatural thrall. It's just... Well, I guess he's just never known that this is what something he was looking for, something he needed. We see a couple flash, a couple more flashes. Thorin is in this same place, although the room seems maybe a bit shorter and shorter each time. And finally, we see Thorin walking back one day. The building has been leveled. There's not only nothing where the food was or the, where the book was originally when he's been going, but the building itself was burned to the ground. Thorin wakes up. <gasps> easy, easy. You don't want to be too quick to move you. You've experienced quite a lot. You're lucky that I found you when I did. Who, who are you? Hmm. To be honest with you, I... I often try to answer that question myself. I'm not sure that I... Thorin looks at him again, he's trying to look around. Uh, he looks around, he sees books all around, but it's not really a library, per se. He sees some things kind of like whirring and, and, and they're making clicking sounds. It's, it's all very confusing and very disorienting. He's not even sure really what he is and isn't seeing at this point. He's a little delirious. Thorin all of a sudden reaches to his side. No worries. Don't worry. I have secured what it is that you're carrying. Don't worry, I haven't touched it either. It's not mine to have. I think um, 
So I kind of know, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a GM, I think, in this scene than I normally am when I solo play. I'm actually really enjoying that, by the way. Uh, I'm, this is happening in real time, so I'm just telling you, because I haven't prepared any of this beforehand. Like, I, I really don't prepare stuff beforehand. I sometimes think about maybe what might be cool in general, but I don't plan to write anything out for this show. Um, and I'm also not planning on what's happening right now. Uh, I'm realizing that I'm being a little bit more of a GM, and I know, and then I'm kind of leading Thorin as if the Thorin side is more of a player. Um, but I'm, I'm, I don't know how to describe it, but my mental footing is I'm more from the GM side. And, and I know some things that I've just decided in my head um, that they just are. Um, but I want to know what Thorin realizes or not. So it's more like character knowledge in that way. And I've never really done that, I don't think, as much before in solo role playing. I think I usually try to do it as the player because I never get to be the player. Oh, although I also just really enjoy being the GM. But I'm, I think what I'm realizing kind of right now in the moment is that uh, it's really cool. <laughs> and I like, excuse me, and I like it. I really wish there was a way for me to edit out that hiccup, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, go away. <laughs> Anyways, dangers of doing it live, I guess. All right, um, so yeah, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make a roll here. Um, I guess I should probably get something to write this down too. Um, this NPC. We're going to kind of fill out the NPC stats as we're going. This is something I was worried that I would not be able to do with Genesis. And to be honest, because, you, you know, you can just kind of fill it in as you go um, with uh, with Savage Worlds, you know, in, just in general if you're improvising, but especially when you're solo, playing solo. But you know what? Honestly, you can totally do that here too. Um, I think this is another strength of the system. I think it's one of the things that's nice about um, something like Savage Worlds was that you can just pick a die type. Right? And that's, you're just going to pick that for a skill or for an attribute, and that's just what it is. And so you know the exact effect. You're not worrying about, like, it, which number do I pick which gives me which modifier or anything like that. Um, similarly, that would make it easy in something like Index Card RPG. That's what makes it easy in Fate. And Genesis here as well, because you can kind of pick, like, there's the characteristic and the skill, um, but those do different things with the dice. So you actually can kind of work from reverse, like from the dice pool, what do you think this should be rolling? And that actually literally tells you what the characteristic and the skill is. Um, so that's kind of cool. So we already said uh, real quick that this person has Arcana um, 1 and uh, a Willpower of 4. So that's an attribute we know about. Um, so I think, what, I think what's going to happen here is I think... Um, Thorin wants to make a, um, hmm. perception might be it to try to like, yeah, I think it's just going to be a perception just to see, um, I guess if he's being genuine or if he's trying to hide something. So, um, but what am I going to roll against though? I think that I could just give it a difficulty. That's probably the simplest thing. Um, but I could also make it an opposed check. Uh, although I don't, I guess, so here's kind of the idea, right? So it's usually in this game, it's an opposed check if they're actively trying to resist or something or, um, or concretely maybe trying to resist is a better way. Like you could potentially roll, like you would, you would roll uh, stealth against somebody's perception, right? Um, because even though perception is kind of passive, but really like if they're not at all paying attention, then one, you may not need to roll. And two, you may be able to just like give it a generic difficulty, like the environmental difficulty. Um, so even if it's kind of passive active skills, it's more or less like, are they opposed in some diametric way? That's more fundamental to the story than necessarily 
um, just that this person has the skill and this person also has the skill. So I think really only if this person's really trying to hide something about uh, something is uh, do I need to make it a pose. And for that reason, I'm actually going to skip the skill part for them, and I'm just going to give um, I'm just going to give it a difficulty. Uh, so it's going to be perception, which is you know something fairly hard for uh, for Thorin. I think. Um, uh, let's see here. Perception. Um, it is a career skill, but I don't have a point in it. It's a cunning, um, which I have two. Um, and I'm going to make it hard, actually. Somewhat hard to read um, this person's intentions. I don't think he's intentionally trying to hold anything back, which is why I'm not making it a... Um, uh, I know that kind of gives it away in a little bit, but remember that we're playing solo, and I'm trying to go for the oracle part here and not for like what you would or wouldn't glean. Um, yeah, so we're just going to roll against um, to see how well Thorin's able to read him just in general. Um, I'm going to give myself a setback die as well, um, just because I'm just coming to and I'm very confused. I think circumstantially that makes sense. Okay, so that is a success, and just a success because the advantages cancel out. Um, so he's able to see just barely that, um, that whoever this is is being genuine. Um, at, at least at the moment, he doesn't seem to be trying to like take the desert rose. He really seems to know that it doesn't belong to him. He's really secured it, um, and he really seems to, at the moment anyways, not have any sort of other agenda in mind. Why did you... Why did you help me? I simply saw someone in need, and I figured that I should do something. Nobody else was, well, nobody else was around you. Actually, that leads to an interesting question. Here's something I want to know. Whoever this is, did he see the Pilgrims of the Single Mind? Like, were they, I, and I don't know if they were really there or not, or if he just didn't see them or not. Well, let's find out. Did he see them when he got picked up Thorin? Um, yes, but, so this is kind of, oh, uh, yes, but, so, um, I think he saw, uh, he saw them at a distance, they weren't around him, because he was fighting the Beastmen, um, so they were there, Thoradin wouldn't have been necessarily aware of this, they, he knew that they, he was sent on the, on the mission from them, um, so I think that whoever this is saw the Pilgrims of the Single Mind, but off at a distance, um, and he might have connected the two. Um, he, he looks at Thorne and says, You seem to have made... Well, you seem to have made dangerous... Allies. Oh, they're, they're not my allies, I, I assure you. I... I do not want... To be honest, I don't know what to do. But I feel that I have no choice but to comply with them. Hmm. But more of you. I had... I had strange visions. Were they from you? I'm not sure what I mean. What, what, what did you see? I think Thorn, Thorn tells him what he saw. Um, tell me. Was... Was this you? Okay, now I do think we're going to get into a post-check here because I don't think he really wants to reveal this uh, information. And so I think we're going to really roll 
we're gonna have to roll probably charm versus deception. Um, so it's presence, of which I have two, it's just not very good for me and I don't have any ranks of skill in it. Um, his deception, yeah, so deception is based on cunning, um, which, uh, we'll see, is probably gonna be like a three. I'm just gonna make that up on the spot. Cunning's probably gonna be a three. It's definitely a cunning, uh, cunning person. And, um, hmm. Probably no, well, probably one point in deception, we'll say. So we'll put one point in deception, actually. Um, all right. So upgrade that difficulty die. Uh, please, the stranger, I must know. Was this you? All right, we get two successes, and three disadvantages. Um, so he, he looks away and he says, so I, I think that what's happening here is that Thorn gets his answer, but it, it puts him more in a sour mood. Um, so that's kind of the disadvantage here, is that he really wishes that Thorn would stop asking his questions. Look, I... I, I didn't mean to... They were tough things to see. Yeah, so I can assure you they were much more painful to live. I see. You and I, to be honest, seem to have fairly little in common. I, I have lived out here in the deserts and the wastes. Is it true that you're from the city? Hmm. I was. That life is over now. The person I was back then is dead. Then I must ask you, where are we? Hmm. Let me show you. He snaps his finger and instantly this kind of like, it looks like this underground cave like this, uh, they're kind of like in just a, it's not, it's not all that unlike Yoda's hut, except for it'd be completely underground. It's a little bit bigger. There's more, um, there's a, you know, it's, it's in, in kind of that cozy, like weird hermit way, but it's, it's got books and stuff all over the place. So it's, it's barely anything like Yoda's hut. So I'm regretting that I brought it up at first, but anyways, reference made. So they, um, all of a sudden the, the room starts shaking a little bit and all of a sudden it starts to lurch upwards and what looks like walls seem to be moving on either side in these, in these portholes, and it turns out that they are, uh, well, they're, they're windows. And as this room starts to ascend into the sky, Thorin can see out, and he can see out for miles in the desert. They were just in a cave under the ground, but now the cave seems to have turned into some sort of a large tower. Thorin just looks on in surprise. I see. This is obviously the tower from before. Hmm. 
there is something more that you must see. But it will be very painful. Will you endure it? If you say that I... that I must... I'm not sure that anyone else has ever seen this, but I must show you. Anyone who's carrying that, he looks at the Desert Rose, something so powerful, and yet is not destroyed immediately by it. Well, there's something going on here. It's very curious. But I believe that there's something you must experience. He goes over to kind of a pedestal and he starts flipping through the pages, making various kind of complicated hand gestures, not unlike Doctor Strange, very complicated hand gestures. Um, and there's kind of like a low lying hum. The fireplace, it's still going by the way, is the fireplace starts crackling a little bit more at, at various intervals. The fire seems to build up and shrink down and build up and shrink down a little bit. Um, Various things start to shift about in the room as if there's a, a wind almost that's localized only in the um, in this tower room. And then all of a sudden, this massive light, as if from the heavens itself, strikes the tower. It's so, so bright. Thorn is forced not only to close his eyes, but it still seems almost too bright. He can feel the brightness everywhere. Which means two things. One, I'm going to remove the last of his wounds for the moment. And I'm going to remove the last of his strain as something has been something has, has completely cleansed uh, cleansed him. And it only lasts for a moment in actual fact, but it feels like several very long minutes, but really it's, it's only a couple of seconds. And all of a sudden, it's gone. Then, whoever this, whoever this person is, he looks back, smiles for a moment, then drops to one knee, looking exhausted. The tower begins as he is still like, hand, you know, uh, on his knees, or at least on one knee, hand planted down, looking down. Um, in his long robes as the tower now begins to descend into the sand. And things are as they were before. What? What? What was that? That, my dear friend, was daylight. What do you mean, daylight? Well, daylight is... No, I, I know what it is. I'm familiar with the myths. But there's not supposed to be daylight for another several hundred years. Surely you mean just that you have created some sort of a, an imitation or a facsimile, oppressive although it is. No, my friend. This was true daylight. Even with great magics, how could you possibly conjure up real daylight? The rest of night all around. Ah, you see, 
That is the trick, my friend. I conjured nothing. Instead, I had to dispel something. You see, this night is not as you know it. There is something far above that is covering the land, causing this night. But, but the stars, ah yes. I used to study the stars quite often. It was very interesting. You see, because I decided to track the stars. They were supposed to be moving. Books that I found quite old, mind you. I tracked the stars, and for a while they seemed as if they were going along as they should. But at the one-year mark, I realized... The cycle started immediately over from right from where it began. Things did not continue as they should have. No, my friend, I'm here to tell you. The night sky as you know it is a lie. I think that's where we're going to end it this session. I think that there's more to discover that's just too good of a cliffhanger for me not to, to put on there. I'll keep this episode a little bit shorter than some of the others. Uh, we're going to continue here uh, on the next episode. Uh, maybe we'll find out who this person's name is that uh, Thorin has been talking to. We'll find out some other stuff. Ah, there's just so much. Like, my mind is blown right now. Um, again, I do not plan this stuff. I did not know genuinely that... Uh, where he was, I was just expecting it to be some sort of like a desert cavern. I had no idea um, until it just the thought popped in my head that this was going to be the same tower that we saw before uh, and the daylight and everything. I don't know what it all it means, to be honest. I, I wish I could say I have this grand plan. Um, I do not, and I do not have the answers, but hopefully this shows kind of a different side um, of Genesis that you, um, I, I think, throwing myself into combat before you heard a lot of the procedures from before. There's all kinds of procedures and ways you can do, I think, especially solo. To be honest, I always thought that this game would work well for solo, and I, honestly, I I really like it for solo. I, I think maybe, I think part of it too is also I maybe just be getting better at the whole thing. I'm very new to the solo playing hobby. I suspect that, I, what I've noticed is that I have a few listeners who don't do a lot of solo uh, playing who listen that do a lot of the uh, OSR games that listen to here anyway, it's just to be supportive. Um, but I, I've noticed that uh, there are others that listen that are specifically solo role players. And I know this is a separate, um, uh, related but separate um, part of the hobby. Uh, and I, I know a lot of y'all have probably been doing this longer than me. Um, so I, I might just be getting better at solo playing as well. But honestly, I think that Genesis is just massively cool for this because... Uh, just the results are just interesting. Everything is like an oracle role. I can see how kind of um, I haven't. I've never played the full Mythic game. Just use the Mythic emulator. Um, so maybe the, I don't know anything about the Mythic game actually. But maybe you know Mythic game is kind of like that. Um, you know maybe if you solo role play like Burning Wheel, it's like that. I think the other piece of it is. Um, that because you can do that with a lot of a lot of systems i think so i think there's just as much or as little of the crunch really as you want um i think when you get into combat and you get into items uh, that's when you really get into like the crunchier bits 
so it's very much an, it's very much a buffet and take as much or as little as you want and I, again most games I think are like that um, but I you know I, I personally am enjoying the mix um, yeah so I think we'll leave Genesis here for now just for the purpose of, of keeping on moving and trying different things um, uh, since everybody seems to like doing showing the different systems I really enjoyed uh, Genesis. Uh, call in, email, see, let me know what you think, um, and again, what you know, what you would like to see next. Um, again, the the small game that Jason sent in will be in here fairly soon. Um, it could have been in that story. I just I don't know the the flashes of the story just came to my head, and I just kind of wanted to relay them just as they came to me, um, and I didn't want to put any roles in there because um, it already happened and everything like that. Although that would be a cool place for it. I think if there are more stories like this, uh, especially when I'm prepared and I've read um, on Mighty Thews a little bit more, um, uh, or just maybe just Mighty Thews, either way, um, when I read it a little bit more, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be really good and I'll be able to put it in the show for you, Jason. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, yeah, some other systems that I have that I'm looking at doing, um, definitely... Um, uh, Dungeon World's always been on the table. I love me some Dungeon World. Um, uh, Fate Core, which I have. Uh, I've got the physical copy of now. Definitely on the table. Iron Sworn, um, and with its delve mechanics, definitely on the table. Um, I mean, I've, again, I've just got I've just got a bunch here. Um, I mean, even uh, even Troika. Uh, <laughs> love me some Troika. Um, yeah, let me let me know what you think. Um, uh, Pathfinder 2E is another one that's definitely um, on the docket there too. It's something I want to try. Um, you know, I, the the crunchier thing is, is something that I'm still kind of getting used to getting uh, on the newer side. Like 5E, my 5E game, um, we didn't use feats until just recently. Uh, that much, and we, did, we didn't do a lot of the rules that were there. Now we're doing more of the rules, more of the feats and stuff as we're kind of getting used to it. Um, to be honest, um, I don't know. I like it a lot, actually. Um, I love OSR games, too. I, I've, you know, some co-workers about a month or so ago ran basic fantasy role-playing game, first and only game I've ever been able to run with everybody at a table, a uh, physical table, since I started playing during COVID. But honestly, that was great. Um, and 5e with feats and stuff is great. I don't know. I, I just like both flavors. I think they're just different things, and I enjoy both. And I think that this game here is kind of fun because it reminds me of what I'm reading in Pathfinder 2e, um, 5e with some of the stuff mixed with some of the best parts of like Dungeon World or or Fate Core, something that has kind of the narrative side. It's really a fun mixture here. Um, yeah, like I said, Numenera might be something that I can I can just reskin. Essentially, Cipher System I might be able to reskin and um, play that a little bit as well um, uh, for my PDF. Uh, could definitely be could definitely be cool. I think um, and actually not even risking that much because it's kind of a post-apocalyptic thing and there's, there's something something weird going on here um i don't know fully what it is so we'll find out i'm rambling again but thank you so much for listening um if you enjoyed the uh if you enjoyed this podcast please uh consider giving a rating on itunes or google catcher or whatever whatever you're listening on um and uh you know again call in send an email if you uh if you're enjoying the show let me know what you think uh we'll catch you next time on Subclass Act.